0: Hello, hello, welcome back to Invest in You podcast with Frederick, Shirley and Ivan Sandwap. Today we will have more than one laugh. So here we go with the first one. What's your coolest office? And that's <laughs> yes, yeah, right. that can be on the beach, it can be anything. And now let's start the actual podcast. Welcome. Episode number two. Today's guest is John Williams. He is a business owner. He is the founder of Ideas Lab in London. He is also a best-selling author. We have met him in uh, Bali where he was uh, having one of his uh, remote workspaces. And he also conducted iLab with Roger Hamilton together with the guys from Junior MBA.
1: Hello John. Today we are going Hello, to Joey. interview you, as you might know. And to start off, Mm -hmm. we would like to know a bit more about you.
2: Mm. Well, uh, I started my career a long time ago as a software developer in special effects. So when I came out of college, I didn't really want to have a normal job that that I would find boring. And I thought, well, I'm into technology and um, I'm interested in, uh, you know, what's the most interesting part of technology and it's the technology around creativity. So since then I've spent my whole career really, uh, in, in innovation and creativity, because that's my passion.
1: Yeah. Uh, you have written two books. Or oh, is that going to yeah. be free soon?
2: Easy, it going to be three? I'm working on a proposal for a third one, and I'm thinking of writing one that's, that's short and has lots of pictures and is very kind of easy to read, because I think increasingly people just want to get one really powerful idea. So that that will be book three, probably, but I don't know. I might change my mind. And I'm experimenting with it and looking at co-authoring it at the moment with somebody. Um and uh but yeah I've written two. Uh both have slightly rude titles. Screw Up Let's Play and Screw Up Break Free. <laughs> yep, yeah, good one. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, okay. Um So, uh, share some of your ideas behind the first book, Screwwork, Let's Play. So, like, what's the theme? What's the whole thing about uh, that book?
2: Well, what I realized is that the world of work has changed and all the things that we are taught to um, believe are going to make you successful in work don't necessarily work anymore. So, uh, it was kind of a book for... A right brain generation. I know the left brain right brain concept is a little simplistic and not necessarily neurologically accurate, but I do believe that there are people who are uh, a bit more creative, a bit more well rounded, and they were finding that they and I find, but I never quite fitted into the normal world of work. And what I was saying is, screw a let's play, is that those kind of people who who really driven by um, creativity they went they actually not only were they not enjoying work as it was but the good news is that we were actually the people who were most well positioned to succeed in the modern world because what we need now is not somebody necessarily who just knows one subject and is very dry and serious about it we need people who are who can make connections who can learn quickly who can describe it with passion uh, all those kind of skills that um uh, the people like me and, and all the people I wanted to write for uh, can relate to
0: and uh, in the word there, uh, play what does play mean to you give us a couple of examples how we can combine yeah. it with what well, you uh,
2: the work with is play came to sum up everything that the book was about because there's quite a few ideas in there and um, one of the, the the first and foremost you can't ever force somebody to play so you can't point your gun at someone's head and tell them to play because they're not playing at the point they do that and so it was, a, it was saying that um, what if your work was a choice, you know, I've been brought up by a fairly traditional kind of upbringing that said that work is kind of something you have to endure. I don't think my mum really enjoyed her work, for instance. And, <clears throat> and I realised that that wasn't really necessary anymore. So you could actually do work that felt more like play, more like um, the question I asked was, what would happen if you could get paid to do the things you would do even if you didn't need the money yeah. so if i won the lottery today you know i won you know hundreds of millions of, of pounds then i wouldn't stop reading and writing and sharing ideas of people and reading about innovation and playing with technology and trying to teach people interesting concepts you know it would all continue in some form or other and so as it is i actually get paid for that That's my business
0: Perfect. Yeah, we really like the idea of, of getting paid to do what you really enjoy, and that's something we really yeah. uh, can advocate as well. So, yeah. and another thing mm-hmm.
1: as well, if you do what you love, you uh, you're probably going to be quite good at it as well. So it's a win-win yeah. situation.
0: Yeah,
2: that's right. You tend to do more of it as well, you know, because the things I read for fun are the same as the things I need to read for work. So I'm just I'm effectively working all the time, but it feels like I'm playing all the time.
0: Yeah, I, I can completely relate to that. I'm also working with things that I don't see as work at all. I, I call it work so other people can relate to what I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> but it really doesn't feel like work uh, at all. So yeah, uh, I'm also, uh, as you probably know, still writing on a book, the same book as I was writing on last time we met around face to face, which was a while oh, ago. Yeah. Uh, mm. I just like to hear some ideas. What are the consequences of actually launching a book, and where did mm. it take your your business?
2: Well, I I. I was quite surprised. I was trying to write a, the best book I could, and the book that I felt would, would be of value, but also that I felt would, would land well and would be marketed well. And um, but even I was quite surprised. But the week it came out, it was in the Sunday Times magazine as a, a buzz book of the summer, and it was um, I got a two-page spread in the Times, and then that led to all sorts of press. It got, went into top 20 in, in um, the major retailers here and on Amazon. And then since then, it's been translated into 10 languages. But so off the back of that, um, I found that it kind of just raised my profile. And if you are successful with a book, it it really puts you onto the world stage. Uh, You know, I've been invited to talk in other countries as well. And um, uh, I hadn't quite realized how differently people see you when you've written a book. So uh, I'm actually running a course at the moment with 100 people on it called the 30 Day Bestseller Challenge, and that's to teach other people what I know about writing a book. Yep. And it's because yep. the effect of it is so powerful when you uh, when you get it right that it changes everything for you. You know, it, it's uh, rather than having to struggle to get noticed, you are already famous uh, in a sense, or at least in your field.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, perfect example. Thank you for sharing. Uh, we met in Bali uh, a while ago. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the following. Um, what was your first impression from from Ivan, a, a very young and uh, aspiring entrepreneur at the time?
2: <laughs> well, Ivan, well, he, he's I, um, a little bit quieter than Charlie, possibly. But um, I thought he was—he looked like somebody who was actually going to get things done and had the the sort of. Um, Solidity to make things happen, which I did not have as a child. <laughs> I yeah. was a bit of a dilettante, unfortunately, and that's a very good quality. And while also being a very uh, likable guy as well. Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a good combination, I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: and also, Charlie, uh, even younger. How could you see him mm. progress in the room and in in uh, in what he was sharing over the two weeks, from like day one to like two weeks later?
2: I think, he, yeah, he definitely went through a process and there was a point when uh, I think both the boys sort of had their moments as normal in an intense course where they, you know, they we were finding it quite difficult and it was bringing a lot of stuff up. Um, but, uh, and I know Charlie had that at one point, but you could see him come through that and carry on getting stuff done and, and engaging and that's that's the test really if you can go through if that's the creative process i'm often writing about and and coaching people through on my courses like if you can get you get into the middle and you just go what am i doing is this going to work oh no i don't know if i've got this right or maybe i'm no good or whatever <clears throat> normal thoughts that come up and if you can carry on and just keep in the game then you'll come out the other side and you'll produce something and so i, I definitely saw that in charlie perfect yeah great great
0: to hear that it's great um, Mm-hmm. uh charlie what do you think when you hear that feedback
1: i get really happy
0: yeah good good
1: <laughs> and i feel good
0: yeah Ivan.
1: yeah okay so it's a bit more back to uh john
0: uh i got one one more oh, quick sorry. one um i remember really clearly when roger really put charlie on the spot uh, putting his uh, eyes straight through charlie kind of and saying very sharp do you have mm. any sales? Well, can you remember what you said, Charlie? No, I can't
1: quite
0: remember. Uh, the, the answer was no, because at the time, Junior and Bay had not sold anything. We were just on Facebook with mm-hmm. thousands of followers. Yeah. And then Roger said very clearly, then you don't have a business.
2: Yes. <laughs> Harsh. <Yeah.
0: laughs> but how can you connect that to how how you help entrepreneurs to make that first well, round?
2: <clears throat> no, that's a really good question. I think I wrote... A second book, like after Screw It Let's Play came out, I, you know, I thought, well, I'll just put everything in this book, and I don't, I'm not going to hold anything back. But then what I noticed is that people were still reading the first book, and not actually putting things into action. They were sitting around thinking and waiting to find their passion, which I have to say I now find quite irritating to observe in people. Because what I, what I, I wrote a whole chapter called Just Do Anything. If you don't, if you really don't want to do, just try something and then see how you like it, and then modify what you're doing. And despite writing that, people weren't paying attention. So this theme of the second book is just put something into action, even if it's only for 30 days. So a subtitle is how to launch a a money-making idea in 30 days. And then your aim is to take your focus um, uh, off just like how much money is this gonna make, and is it scalable, and all that kind of stuff. What you're trying to do at the beginning like in the case of the junior MBA, is prove that some people are willing to pay to be in a room if it's if it's a version that's in the room yep. and earn from you, and you've proven that now. So that that's that's really encouraging, and you don't need to have. The world's most sophisticated social media strategy, you know, you see people running around going, but my Instagram game isn't top notch or I'm good on Twitter. but I'm no good on Facebook. And you go, well, you haven't got anything to sell yet. You've got to (laughs) prove you can you can reach out. And Roger talks about this. Reach out and find 10 people and say, will you buy this thing right now? And if you can get 10 people to say yes, then you can go, "Okay, that proves some people like this. And when they've experienced it, they still like it. Now, how do we get a hundred? Now you need some sort of a marketing strategy. And, uh, that, and so, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like that. Well, have you sold it yet? Have you, or even done it for free, in fact. Yeah, uh, sometimes
0: be yeah. Appropriate. so now, now we jump back in history again to like almost the last century, almost.
1: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> what was your normal job before the book?
2: Well, the, the very last job I had before I quit was uh, I was a senior managing consultant at Deloitte, which is a, a global consultancy. And um, it's, you know, for some people, it would be a dream job. Uh, for me, I found it a bit stultifying. It was quite corporate and everyone's supposed to want to be a partner. And um, I didn't want to be that. And, uh, and so I kind of extricated myself from there. And my plan was basically to go um into i was consulting through deloitte on broadcast systems for people like the bbc and i thought if i quit and i do it independently i can get paid twice as much and work half as often and still have the same basically good salary i was getting from deloitte in the end i actually managed to get paid four times as much and so I only needed to work three months of the year. I had to spend some time getting the work, which is not always that easy, but, you know, I didn't have to work that much of the year and still make a really good income. And, uh, and that then gave me a gateway to, to start experimenting with other things. I trained in some psychotherapy courses and a coaching course and started running live events. And that led on to my book eventually, the first book.
1: Your second book, Screw Work, mm. Break Free, uh, How to Launch Your yeah. Own Money-Making Idea in 30 Days. Uh, a bit more about that book, that one.
2: Yeah, that's um, again. That's uh, what I realise is it's there's a process you can follow, which is in some ways surprisingly easy. And that is basically, you try something, you learn from it, and you iterate. It's like a continual uh, evolutionary cycle. You can almost um, pick any idea, experiment with it for thirty days, see if somebody will buy it, and then. If they do, then you go, okay, well, what do I do to make it even better? What do I do to scale it and so on? And uh, then if you follow that process, it's pretty much foolproof. You will end up with a working business. Now there is some value to planning ahead and saying, you know, how does it scale? Is it, When it scales, is it gonna be the kind of business I like? Those questions are valid to ask. But if you're in the early stages and you really don't even know quite what business to start, it's sometimes better to start with this approach of, let's just pick anything. Like, you know, I have people who say to me, oh, do you think I could ever be a writer? And I go, well, or they go, you know, I I couldn't be a writer. And you go, well, are you having a problem picking up the pen and and writing on paper? Because literally there's no qualification you need for anything these days, uh, unless you're going to, you know, go down a formal profession path of, you know, doctor or accountant. You can actually do anything you want and try it. And no one's going to stop you. There are no gatekeepers anymore. So you can try writing. You can try uh teaching you can try writing an app and if you discover that you hate writing apps then you change and you go actually maybe i like back-end server coding or maybe i like graphic design on websites rather than that and that's how you find out what you like and that's how you find something that other people like as well so the second book is all about that process um it's a little bit like if for people who know lean startup which is the the concept of how to launch a tech startup um Uh, developed by Eric Ries that pretty much all tech startups adhere to now it's a little bit like lean startup for normal humans who are not necessarily doing anything techy it's like how do I do something small create a minimum viable product uh, prove it like you did with your your junior MBA uh, first run and then scale it up and improve the marketing around it
0: yeah, and, uh, and from that 30-day uh, challenge where you collect lots of people in a room and also have lots of uh, online uh, support as well, uh, would you mind share a couple of success stories that have happened in that very yep. short yeah. time frame?
2: Yeah, we. Yeah, what, what we do in the 30-day challenge is we get people to uh, produce something in 30 days from scratch, usually. And uh, we had one woman who, um, she just lost a job. She thought, I want to do something around photography. And so she's, she thought, well, what shall I do? And she, she t- took, we get a daily lesson from me as part of the 30 day challenge. And one of them said that you should focus on the thing that you feel most strongly about and make it specific. So she said, rather than being, I'm a freelance photographer and I'll do anything, which is what most people do and they may struggle to get work. She said, I'm going to take really good dating profile photos for it. So for all those dating websites and apps, The photos are terrible. She'd been on those sites for ages before she met her boyfriend. And so um, she decided to just do that. And she called the company Hey Saturday. She launched it in 30 days. She just said, does somebody want to have their photos taken for free for dating purposes? And somebody volunteered on the course because we had a couple of hundred people on it. And then that person referred um, Saskia, that's her name, um, referred Saskia, her first paying client, now she's been in every publication you can imagine she's uh, i wrote about her in screw at break free she's got five six um photographers working underneath her all across the uk she's just set up in new york as well and uh she's working on a book she's actually on my new course a 30-day bestseller challenge so they're going to do a book about how to take the ideal dating profile photo so that was where somebody could have gone down a traditional path and struggled to get photography work and struggled to stand out but instead, created something that was a scalable brand and did it in 30 days. Or at least proved it was going to work in 30 days. And we got lots of other examples like yeah.
0: that. G- great example. Thanks for sharing that. And again, share example of real-life success is always inspirational.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah? Well, yeah. what are your next plans for the future?
2: Uh, next plans for the future... <clears throat> um, That's a good question, actually. Well, I've got some time off in in December, and then I'm probably going to go to Bali in January because the British winter is so miserable and uh, go away for six weeks. And I'm thinking about – actually, I'm thinking of doing a podcast, so you might be able to give me some advice. Um, But I'm also thinking of um, uh, whether I'm going to change the 30-day challenge and maybe do that in a different way. I run a program called the Pioneer Programme. Uh, Which will run again early next year and that's for people to create um, a unique brand over a period of five months and uh, Establish themselves as like on the world stage. I'm also uh, doing the first run of a course Which is uh, about um, writing a best-selling nonfiction book, but I'm teaming up with my literary agent Who's worked with all sorts of books like who moved my cheese like books that have sold millions and we're going to run that That will be live in London that one so Lots of things, but I'm also keeping an open mind because I'm in the mood for a bit of experimenting and a bit of fun. My company, The Ideas Lab, is all about making good ideas happen, whether it's uh, you know it's launching a, an app or a service or, a, or even a social movement uh, or a business. And I never get bored of that. So there will always be different ways of helping people to do it.
0: Perfect. I mean I just like to share a couple of stats which you might or might not be aware of already. Uh the, the the penetration of podcasts in the US is around seventy four percent whereas in Ooh. the UK it's four oh, percent. really? So the, the, the potential for growth amongst people that listen for joy, fun or, mm-hmm. or learning even in lo- mm-hmm. uh, in the UK is huge. Wow. so yeah food for thought I'm not, I am not—I haven't seen stats from other parts of the world but uh, a friend that will also mentor Ivan and Charlie about podcasting uh, mm-hmm. Rob Moore uh, he has uh, in a short time frame uh, got up to 1.8 million subscribers mm-hmm. as of today well, so Ivan yeah, yeah. next question
1: sorry it was the dog that Um, the podcast name our podcast name is invest in you what does that mean to you like invest in you what do you think about when you heard those words
2: well i'm a big believer in that and and sometimes you have to make those um uh, sometimes it means financial investments so you need to spend to to get a coach or a mentor or advice or staff or something like that and and often you're it requires spending money you don't quite have or feels quite risky in all, in the hope that you're going to get that back many times and i've done that uh several times and and uh it always feels like a worrying decision but then you know i see my business double or something like that and it's worked out really well so um i think there's sort of financial investment there there's time investment uh i'm always reading that's one of the ways i invest in myself and make sure that i'm Reading things that I find really interesting and um, and developing myself, and I'm always doing courses. So, like, there's you know, the temptation, the thing with me is to resist buying more books and to resist doing too many courses because they're all so interesting to me.
1: What does investing mean to you? What do you think about when you hear the word investing?
2: Investing in general, um, investing, I guess. I guess it means, uh, it's a good question, actually, I guess it means taking some of your resource, which might be, you know, a limited resource and putting it into something in the hope that you're going to get more back. So you invest time in something in order that you, you know, if you systematize your business, for instance, it takes time to do that. If you hire people, it takes time to do that. You're also investing money sometimes to hire people or to invest financially in the hope that that gives you a much bigger payback later. So um, so it's always, uh, I guess it can uh, often come with a little bit of anxiety of whether you're going to get what you invested back and whether you're, how much of a multiplier you're going to get. But that's why a lot of people don't do it, I guess.
0: Yeah, so which leads to the next one, Charlotte. Mm.
1: What would you say is your best investment in you so far? <laughs>
2: best investment in me i'm beginning to realize that i one of the things i haven't invested in very well is staying fit i think that would be a really good investment i think um you know a lot of people are talking about how, how much energy that gives you uh, but in the past i've certainly probably some of the best investments are in in people to advise me on what to do So rather than just trying to learn everything from a book and Google it, there's nothing quite like having a mentor directly helping you on your business. So I think it will probably be those people that I've um, uh, paid money to for business mentorship.
1: Okay, um, we have used uh, Wealth Dynamics, which is like a Mm. personal, it just figures out what kind of person you are. It's like a Mm. test. Uh, And remember that you are a creator profile. What does that mean to a business to have a strong creator like you?
2: (laughs) It means sometimes I can get distracted as a creator. I think it works really nicely when um, we're paired really nicely with a supporter. So the supporter is a really good people person. And uh, certainly there have been times in my career in my business when I've been paired with a supporter and I could feel that was a really good dynamic. At the moment I don't have... I have a PA who's a supporter, but I don't have... Um, a key member of staff so that's something I'd be interested in finding if anybody's a supporter profile and wants to get involved in the ideas lab then you can always contact me um so uh yeah I guess that's what it means and it means also making sure you set up a business where you're going to stay in flow so uh the idea is have a business where I can have an idea and uh, other people can implement it and, um, and I don't get bogged down in the details or the people stuff or the system stuff. I'm not completely there yet, but um, I, I've certainly got some some of the way there.
0: Uh, that's a great uh, couple of uh, examples of challenges. Uh, what other challenges challenges you often see in startup businesses?
2: I think very early on, I, I think people... Um, worry about marketing when they should be worrying about whether they've actually proven uh, value in their proposition. So they, they get obsessed with how how do I get enough people to my website and meanwhile they haven't proven that anyone wants to buy what's on their website to start with. So I think that's one of the things. Um, other than that I think it depends on the type of person. Like a lot of people I work with they tend to underprice themselves whatever they're doing. They undervalue just how much work there is in delivering anything so if you undervalue things you'll end up uh exhausting yourself because the effect is you have to sell lots and you'll be running around um then you can't afford to hire people to do some of the work for you so uh low pricing can be really problematic um and uh i don't know otherwise i think those are the two things that happen early on particularly and that's what i see a lot of my clients
1: yeah um, so, what is the coolest office uh, you have had so far?
2: Well, I've I just moved into the Ideas Lab, I've got a live workspace here in in East London, which is very cool, so I'm enjoying this, it's like a loft-style apartment, uh, but it overlooks the canal, apart from the fact that the docks are so noisy they can get quite irritating. But, but aside from that, probably, uh, you know, I've, I can run my business mostly from anywhere, and I've I spent two months in Bali earlier this year and I uh, spent uh, a month in Lisbon, and uh, I think Bali is a pretty cool place. Um, There's nothing quite like, you know, sitting, working, looking out at the sea and having a nice drink in a cool breeze and, it's, it's, and the sun shining. So you'll um, probably be either being right here or being, uh, being in Bali, probably my two choices.
0: I think your coolest office is that you do have that flexibility and choice. It can be really literally anywhere. Um, I remember you talked about uh, writing uh, the book on the beach. I've done the same. It's Mm. very inspirational if you can focus and not get too much sand in the equipment (laughs) Uh, and and so on. So what would you like to recommend to someone who is listening to this podcast? We're still early days in this podcast, Invest in You. What would you recommend to the listener? broadly can be anything at all
2: I think people imagine okay I tell you what it is Um, it's a quote from Paul Graham and that's uh, he's a guy I quote quite a lot in my second book he's formed Y Combinator he was one of the founders of Y Combinator which is the most respected startup incubator in the world they started Dropbox Airbnb and and many many other uh, multi-billion dollar startups and uh, it's worth reading everything Paul Graham writes and also the guy who's just taken over called Sam Altman, who recently taken over. But one of Paul's quotes is that everyone's model of value creation is a job. So what he means is, and this is at the heart of, of my second book, Screw Up, Break Free. He said that what I notice also is that we we kind of brainwashed a little bit by the conventional score system to think that you're going to get a job and to think like somebody in a job and i call this workerbot thinking in the book um and they teach you unfortunately to be largely passive to sit there waiting to take instructions and these are terrible habits to learn for an entrepreneur an entrepreneur has to be able to tune in inside and know what their what what their instincts are but they also need to be very tuned into the market and the end user and not be and be least concerned about bosses and, and kind of, you know, the, oh, the the set way that things are supposed to be done. And so uh, what I would say is the most important thing you do, if you enter starting a business or, or even launching any kind of venture, you know, if you want to start, you know, a charity or something like that, if you approach it like a worker bot, like somebody who who's waits for instructions and tries to get everything right before you take action and get everything perfect, You will absolutely fail so um, you need to the hardest thing you're going to have to do is retrain your brain to think like you used to do when you until you about four years old which is you have an idea and you follow through like so if you 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 watch babies they they kind of go what's that Like stick it in their mouth and then smell it and then lick it and then like that
0: try it and try it again yeah
2: yeah, but as you try it, and if it tastes horrible, go, ugh, and they go, I won't, I won't do that again, you know, whatever the purple plant is, or whatever they just stuck in their mouth. So that is that willingness to just uh, experiment and um, and learn from it and uh, and then do better as a result. And that's what you need to go back to doing. And it's a, it's quite a hard, it's like a 180 degree round turn. I used to call one of my courses Impact 180, because you need to do 180 degree round um, roundabout turn in order to go back to the way you used to be before school told you to sit there and wait for instructions
0: (laughs) Yeah, so you've been sharing so many good ideas with us Uh, Whenever you launch your third book you're welcome back if not sooner Mm -hmm. Uh, What is the easiest way to get hold of you contact or that job offer you mentioned earlier? Um, We will of course put this in the show notes. What's the easiest way?
2: Well if you go to screwworkbreakfree.com then you can download the first chapter of, uh, of that book and some other useful tools that will help you to, you know, sift through your ideas and uh, choose which one you want to pursue. And there are, um, you'll also go on the newsletter that I send out once a week, which is about how to make ideas happen, how to turn ideas into businesses and books and products. And, um, and that's probably a good place to start. And you'll hear about all the courses that I run uh, as well, if anyone's interested in those things. And you, um, there's also a link on there to actually get the book Screw Up Break Free. The, the two books have now been translated into ten languages, and um, uh, the new book is going to be in Chinese fairly soon, which will be interesting. That's a first for, for my books. So yeah, good. The, luck.
0: Yeah, but it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Any last yeah. words, even or Shirley?
1: Well, just thank you, yeah. basically. Thank you for taking your time uh, to help yeah. to um, help us grow
2: yeah and well uh, to
1: teach our listeners something new which is the most yeah. important and us yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> well you're doing a great thing i think you're learning as you go it's exactly what i'm talking about so uh you'll be think think you'll be podcast masters uh within a year or two and Perfect. and still be very young
1: yeah sounds great how would you to rate this podcast
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, difficult when you're a participant, aren't you? But I think you're doing pretty well so far, I would say. Yeah. 11 out of
1: doing... 10.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Well
1: done, great job, John.
2: Yeah. Th- th- thanks Amelia.
0: You have just heard Invest In You, the podcast for people just like you who are growing, expanding, exploring new ideas. I heard Charlotte really love five-star reviews and also feel free to share this to help a friend. Bye-bye.